Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowen, and Pastor Adam Mosier continue their discussion on the small called articles looking at a New Testament passage and its application. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary, establishing students in the eternal and inerrant Word of God for a life of faith in Jesus Christ and faithful service to His kingdom since 1964. To learn more or apply, look at flbc.edu. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bowe. I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Adam Osier. All right. Uh, we are in our New Testament episode in our arc on episodes on sin as we're continuing to walk through the small called articles. And uh, today we find ourselves in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 5. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8 today. Talking, you know, we brought up, I think, two episodes ago about how a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a great phrase to look at the scripture origins of it and what it teaches us about the nature of sin. And this is a really great passage for that because not only does it use that phrase, but it also brings in Christ as the Passover lamb and talks about the benefits of mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Awesome. All right, I'll go ahead and read that for us, and we can launch into our discussion. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8, in Jesus' name, it says, Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Here ends the reading of the scriptures. Amen. 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 All right, where should we start? We really should start with why Paul hates donuts. (laughs) Raised dough. Yeah. The deliciousness of pastries. Right. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Are you the donut man? Is this like the anti-donut hole man? You remember the other old... Did you watch the donut hole? What are you? The donut man? No. You guys I know, know about the Muffin Man, <laughs> who lives no. on Drury Lane. So, you monster! <laughs> so I think you're really going to enjoy this. So the <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting. I hope so. So there was an, a 90s Christian TV show, The Donut Man, where... Oh my goodness, I'm already get, triggered. So, Hungry. Yes, so the whole idea of the show was... Life without God's love is like a donut because there's a hole in the middle of your heart. It was the, That was the theme song of that. Jason wrote that. Yeah. I could see you writing that. Okay, keep I, going. I just wanted you to see, I wanted to see the visceral reaction to that. <laughs> I don't know. I can finish. I'm like, my face is paralyzed. Uh, yeah. It, no, it's to go back to the discussion of leaven, there's yeah. probably a couple landmarks Pause. that we have to... Sorry, no. I have to interrupt you, Jason. Let's go <laughs> back to the, the donut guy. <laughs> totally I have so many that. questions. Yeah. I hear that, and that man is the hero. And in, in the story, they're making him out to be the evil one. If I hear a guy is like, that's a hero. Donut man is my hero. <laughs> And all of a sudden, this is terrible theology. What this were you is, saying, Jason? This is I'm like sorry. celebrating the Noid from Domino's Pizza. <laughs> Brett can't just bring this in. I know. I want a donut. What? This isn't even in the text. What are you talking? Go, go ahead. Jason. I was trying to get there. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead. So, going the Passover imagery is where we have to start here first. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, uh, on the night that the angel of death came over Egypt, yep. the yep. Israelites were saying, you gotta, you're going to get out of Egypt, so you need to make bread without leaven in it because you don't have time for it to rise. 
And so the Passover, the Passover was identified with unleavened bread, that they would have these matzah to eat with the meal, and that became tradition. Uh, there, there's this whole pageantry surrounding the Passover Seder and even, you know, doing a token search and removal for leaven in your house and getting it out before you celebrate the Passover. And, and what Jesus does is he takes this imagery in the Gospels and he warns the disciples about the leaven of the Pharisees. And and this is why I brought up donuts. There's really a purpose to it, and it's not just because I'm fat. But uh, the the disciples are like, did the Pharisees bring bread? <laughs> did, we, did, we, did we miss something? I'm yeah. kind of hungry. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and Jesus is like, no, no, no. It's their teaching. And, and the teaching of the Pharisees in the implications Jesus gives yeah. in the Gospels is works righteousness, that right. we can earn our way to salvation. And Jesus says, beware of that leaven because it will permeate your entire being. That what you will be about is works righteousness and earning right. your own salvation. It's not like... The application is, well, we got to wipe out all the sin in your life. Uh, yeah. It, it's, it's the teaching of works righteousness. It's the teaching of works righteousness, and it's the contamination of sin. that the, the image goes hand in hand. So now we're back in 1 Corinthians, and Paul is once again talking about delicious raised bread dough. <laughs> and, but he says, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? And the implications here are twofold as we kind of exegete this passage. The implications are, what are you boasting for? Well, because we're righteous, right? You go back, scroll up, scroll up, and he's he's talking about uh, sexual immorality in the church. Now, the Corinthian church was really screwed up. You can read about it yourself. It's pretty messed up. But they were boasting about their sinfulness, and they were misapplying the gospel is kind of the upshot of what's going on. And so what are you boasting? A little leaven, your sin contaminates you and cleanse out the old leaven, the sinful works righteousness, and be, you may be a new lump as you are really unle- unleavened. And then he brings Christ into the picture. And, and so the, the implications, and in, in, in you've you got to pause and think about this, and I don't know that I've done an especially good job here, but you pause and think about it, is that our original sin in our Christian lives shows up as works righteousness, which is what Luther has been talking about in the Small Called Articles, what we've been reviewing for the last three episodes, is that the expression of original sin in Christianity is works righteousness. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, I've never, you know, well, I guess I have. I've kind of thought about it in those terms. I, when you uh, weren't thinking about the presidents of the United States of America. Well, no, I mean, you just, you, you look. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They have some good songs, though. Peaches, you got a lot of things. Lump, peaches, you got a lot of things there. Um, the... Where was I going with that? Now you got me in the presidents of the United States of America. Um, the Pharisees. There we go. <laughs> kind of like presidents of the United States of America. Uh, uh-oh. Uh, did I say that? The idea of, you know, Pharisaism in the New Testament and how it's seen played out over the course of time. One of the, one of the, the pictures that I see there and one, one of the ones that has always stood out to me in kind of terms of hypocrisy is when Jesus is being accused on the night of his arrest. 
and the Pharisees. It, it's fixing to be the Passover, which is, you know, <laughs> ironically, they're not picking it. They're, they're not smelling what they're stepping in. They're not picking up the, the, the signals like, okay, it's Passover. Hey, guys, look, I'm a lamb. <laughs> like the spotless one, you know, that you, you guys are going to eat tonight. Like, I'm, the, I'm the actual guy. I'm that guy. Yeah. And, and so they're going through and they, they uh, the, the Pharisees, and I can't remember, I think it's in John, the, the, one uh, the um, account in John where the Pharisees don't want to go into Pilate's house because they would be made unclean for fear that they would be made unclean just in case th- that Pilate had happened to make a, a loaf of bread that day, you know, and, and here they are. We want to kill God, <laughs> but God forbid we accidentally brush up against a piece of bread in Pilate's house and therefore we can't actually celebrate the Passover. And, and, and the, my point is this, when you see the absurdity of that irony, just the absurdity of it all, you recognize how deeply perverted that our um, our old na- our old nature, our original sin, has made us how we are unable in any capacity whatsoever to recognize how stupid we are. Nope. How stupid we are for thinking we think in those terms, and and it's something that minutia we we miss the big picture of the fact. Hey, you had to have a savior come and die for you because you can't fix this problem, but you think that you can, and so we want to make those little rules that we can keep, like the Pharisees did. Okay, as long as I don't brush up against a piece of bread, I'm okay. But you know, blow and just completely blow off the whole message of the New Testament. The fact that God came to rescue you because you are a stubborn and stiff-necked people. But as long as I can do my own set of rules, as long as I'm okay, we are constantly playing that game. Like you're talking about, Jason, we're constantly playing the Pharisee game. Yeah, you hear Christ's words, you hypocrites, you tithe, mint, cumin, and dill, but you ignore the weightier matters of the law, justice and compassion and righteousness. You should have done the former while not ignoring the latter. Mm -hmm. And then he goes in, you are whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. And that's where original sin enters the chat. Mm -hmm. You know? (laughs) That's the nature of what we're talking about. And and you bringing in the the Pharisees is is very apropos here because uh, for the longest time, and and I don't know if this is a product of American Christianity, if it's a product of the pietism we grew up in, whatever the, I just don't have enough context to know where it comes from, but it was there for the longest time. I was raised and taught that the problem with the Pharisees is that they regarded the law too highly, that mm. they made it, mm. that they, you know, and this whole notion yeah. that they took the law and then they built a hedge of protection along, around the law by making extra rules so that they didn't come close to breaking the law and, mm-hmm. and all of these things. And you start to believe it. And then you get to the kind of Christianity where I don't smoke dance, smoke, or chew, or go out with girls that do, and you realize that the problem of the Pharisees was not that they thought too highly of the law, but what you said, Adam, is that they lowered the law to something they could do. Mm -hmm. And the problem of the Pharisees is they didn't think highly enough. Sure. And that's where original sin shows up in our Christian lives. Mm -hmm. It's easy to to go into, and, and I always think of this there's some other implications to this story, but it's the man who Peter and John heal. Uh, well, obviously God heals them, but it's what he's, we don't have silver and gold, but yeah. what we do have, get up and walk, Acts 3 yeah, In the name of Jesus Christ. In, the, in yeah. the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Yeah, not them, Jesus, right? Uh, but the thing that stood out to me is that this fellow was sitting there 
in the in the temple area, right? He was there, and it was interesting because Jesus had been there too, and he had allowed. That's that's part of this interesting thing is God. We don't always see God's plan. You know, Jesus would have probably seen this man because it implies he'd been there a very long time. The Pharisees would see the same same guy. They would see the same guy there, and it's a whole lot easier to think in my mind, you know, to ignore the fact that in my mind I walked by that guy as a Pharisee and said, "Man, I'm glad I'm not that sinner, huh?" Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then drop off my mint leaves in the you know in the in the temple depository where mint and dill and cumin are collected. It's easy to do those things. It's easy to quantify uh, good deeds when we dumb down the law. It's a whole lot harder when I realize that every thought and inclination of my heart is sick and perverted from birth from birth and i want to go and do the wrong thing and i want to think the wrong thing and i want to hate my neighbor and functionally hate god because i'm saying yeah jesus what did he need to come for i don't need him i'm good enough i got all this dill over here and i've not only 10 percent, i did 50 percent of my mint last month you know what the, what, what are you trying to do? You have the treasury of merit of dill. <laughs> I've given so much dill, there's more than enough dill for you. Uh, yeah. yeah, You get a pickle, and you get a pickle. Yeah. And, <laughs> sorry. This, the so, image, sometimes uh, the imagery of my mind is like an AI generating images. Yeah. Artificial intelligence, because <laughs> it's not real intelligence. Right. So... I kind of want to take this conversation maybe a little bit different direction. Yeah, you should. Uh, yeah, I guess... I'm trying to wrestle with something here, and maybe this is just me still being a recovering, I don't know how to say it. Legalist? Uh, I don't know, maybe not, yeah. I don't know. Recovering sinner? <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, Brett. You're not that bad. No, I <laughs> <laughs> No, I guess I'm trying to wrestle with, um, you know, for the, the person that honestly wants to do good works no. and... Uh, and and still seeing our sin nature and um, and just I don't know you could get you can wrap yourself too much into like well does me uh, obeying more mean that my sin nature is getting squished out of my life a little more or like speak to those kinds of issues and uh, for those that maybe are recovering well, you know, legalists like like you say that <laughs> sin sin is primarily a quality not a quantity. Okay, that's that's the first thing. We want to put our sinfulness on the sliding scale that adjusts based on our performance. And we can't do that. So that if I'm doing well, I have less sin. If I'm doing poorly, I need to do more sin. And, you know, kind of people take that verse from Genesis 4 where sin is crouching at the door. It, it's desires for you, but you must master it, that that is affecting the quantity of our sin. But the reality is because of the nature of sin being a quality in us rather than a quantity, that if you were to root out entirely, If it was possible to root out entirely a single category of sin, that it would no longer be a temptation to you, you would no longer be inclined to do it, you were no longer enslaved to it, you would not be any less of a sinner than you would have before. And then our sinful nature to that rears, it's like, well, then why do I do anything good in the first place? And so the answer to what you're talking, what about the person who earnestly desires to obey God's law? The answer to that is vocation. The answer is that direct your obedience to your neighbor, not vertically. You know, it's that two kinds of righteousness that we've talked about regularly, that before God, in his court of justice, we can do nothing 
to improve our condition, to uh, pay God back, to do any of that. That's divine monergism. God has done everything we need for life and salvation for us in Christ. And even in sanctification, as you've received Jesus Christ as Lord, so walk in him. That's Colossians 2. Yeah. That you received Christ by faith, we walk in Christ daily by faith. So why do we be able to obey the law? One, because the law reflects to us the holy nature of God. It's not just arbitrary rules so that God can give us a grade. It's the law reflects who God is for us. It shows us who he is. And God says, you should be holy as I am holy. So God tells us how to be holy. And so he commands us to do it. It's binding on us because God never changes. Okay. Well, then, well, uh, I can't do the law. Well, then you repent. Well, then what do I do? Then God says, go love your neighbor. How? Well, here's the Ten Commandments. Start there. You know, and it's that, it's that cycle of sanctification. For, for the person who earnestly wants to obey God's law, we just give them the doctrine of vocation. We celebrate with yeah. them. The, yeah. the, the earnest desire to, to obey God, that is a fruit of your salvation. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. So that and, and that's and that's maybe what this expression here is, with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Nope. Uh, of <laughs> you're free. You know. You yeah. Like you're saying, directing your good works towards those that need them, and uh, it's it's done in freedom. Nope. And I don't know. Does that make sense, or is that mm-hmm. does that connect with this? I mean, I don't want to see vocation everywhere, but you know, maybe this is. A <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe I don't know about you, but I see vocation everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're a hammer and everything looks like a nail. Yep, yeah. exactly. Uh, were, were you going to yeah. say, Adam? Well, yeah, I, yeah no, I, I agree with Jason. I think that you have to understand that tension. You have to understand the the reality that the law is good, but at the same time, you have to understand that it is not obedience to the law that saves. It's something as simple as that. What what Jason said something early on in that, and it sparked something, and so I am kind of thought a different direction Peeling here. back the layers. A, a little, but it is. But yeah. you said that you think of sin primarily not as a quantitative, quantitative yeah. but more qualitative. a qualitative thing. Yeah, that's good. And that's exactly what Scripture says. It's exactly what Paul's talking about when he says that when he does that which he doesn't want to do, when his, his you know, when he does something that his uh, new nature knows that it ought not to do, uh, it is sin living in him. Yep. And it doesn't, it doesn't, he doesn't chalk up a number of sins. Well, I sinned seven times today or something like that. He, he says that it is, it is, he goes back to the root problem. He doesn't talk about the fruits. He doesn't count the fruits of failure. He, he goes back to the root and he says, you need to recognize where do I go? Where do I go when I'm battling this? And he points them right back to Jesus. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so we, we see this cyclical problem. Yes, we see sin and we get caught up, I think, Brett. And this is where, I, mm-hmm. when you said that before, the yep. recovering legalism thing, yep. or I, I kind of said that and I maybe preempted that statement. But my my upbringing, my background is exactly this. And, and I, I grew up under this idea that I was in this revolving door of salvation, where if I, you know, I receive Jesus, but when I sin and then I come out the door and, and it depends how many sins and did I do the right thing at the right time? Did I swear before I got hit by the bus or not? All of those things. Am I a Christian or am I not a Christian? And, and I think when we qualitate, it's just, it, we're doing the exact same thing. We're counting this idea that somehow 
our sin or our obedience or our omission or uh, um, fighting against the actual sins that we commit all the time, that if I push those away enough, I'm saved. No, what it says here in the text is that you have a root problem. You will constantly be facing that until the bodily resurrection. And when Christ comes again, you're going to constantly be battling that. But when you do battle that, you have a place to go with it where there is therefore now no condemnation. That's, that was the only thing that brought me peace, was this whole idea that, that Christianity, even after salvation, for me, was painted in such a way that it had to be my performance and not the performance of Christ. It never comes back to getting rid of sin or you do less today than you did yesterday. It comes back to thanks be to God in Christ Jesus, who gives us victory in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's where we come back. We come back to the promise. There's no condemnation has nothing to do about my sin has nothing to do about how I do it better or worse the next day. It has to do with Jesus. Yeah, exactly. And and that's precisely my experience too, is Mm -hmm. I actually call that division between the end of Romans seven and the beginning of Romans eight, the most unfortunate chapter division (laughs) in all of scripture, because it separates the thought. Romans eight, one is crucial to what Paul is saying in Romans seven. There is there Therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right. And I think a helpful way, at least for me, and, and if I explain this badly, I don't intend to confuse people, but I think so many people mistake the content for sin with the consequences of sin. Okay? Mm-hmm. So the existence of sin is entirely qualitative, right? We are sinners. That, that, that's, it's an identity thing, right? The consequences for sin vary. Like, like, you know, like if, if you steal a lollipop from a baby is less bad than if you murder an entire family. Mm-hmm. Seems reasonable. The con- but before God, one sin is enough to permanently disqualify us from salvation because the standard for salvation is God's perfect holiness. Mm-hmm. But we're not condemned for our sin by the consequences of the sin. We're condemned by the existence of sin. And that's where we go to there is no condemnation. And one of the ways you can test this on a person to, to see where they're at is to ask them, if you die in a car accident where you were speeding... Do you go to heaven? <laughs> yeah. Because you, you probably oh. didn't have time yeah. to repent right. of breaking the law for speeding, right? And, and you realize that we are forgiven because Christ covers all of our sins. We are not for, forgiven because we've done the good work of repenting. Right. And that's where it creeps, that works righteousness creeps back into yep. generic American Christianity. That first we talked about free will, yes, last week or two weeks ago with the decision so uh, the first level is in American Christianity, faith becomes our good work, but that's a gift of God. Then uh, in, in pietistic circles of Christianity, repentance becomes our good work, that, that we're listing our sins and making sure we're doing the work of repenting. But repentance is also a gift from God as it's a product of law and gospel. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think maybe the danger too is is unrepentance can sear your conscience and lead you away from faith in Christ. And that's that's probably where people would fall away as opposed to like just sinning once, like speeding right before you, you die. Well, and yeah. failure to repent is different than refusal to repent. Yeah. Yep. Right. Like, like if I, you know, every morning I wake up and I say the Lord's prayer. I try to remember every night. It's habitual now before I fall asleep, I say the Lord's prayer. You know, that's repentance is built into that. Uh, constantly saying, Lord, have mercy when something awful happens. You, there, there are different things we do 
to do that. But the Bible says that if we say we have not sinned, mm-hmm. we make ourselves to be liars and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say we have not sinned, we make God to be a liar and the truth is not in us. That's that progression. And so again, refusal to repent is unbelief. Mm-hmm. Failure to repent, like, oh, I just didn't repent of that sin right before I got hit by a meteorite. I'm toast. My whole life of faith is gone because I, you know, I had repented of only 99.999999% of my sins and not that last little bit. That's not how salvation works. No. Our repentance replaces Jesus. Yep. Yeah. In that, in that scenario, for sure. It's a dark place to be, but it's it, interestingly enough, it's it's where I think Jason, you and I both grew up in that, right? Oh, exactly. I mean, that's what made this hard is that um, is that it's it's not just a hypothetical. It's not just a, a podcast. It's where a lot of people are mm-hmm. in the church today. It's a dark place to be, and there is there is hope. And in the very words, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We got I mean, that, that. Those are the very words, by the way, that were spoken in uh, a Romans class when I was here as a student at the college twenty years ago, and it was at that point where God really got a hold of me and said, "I'm enough. I've done it all. It's not about your repentance. It's not about you. In fact, you're kind of a. Yeah, it's not really about you at all, Adam. <laughs> it's about what I've done for you. Yeah. And hey, it's about me. Look at my son. Look at my son. And when I did, I found peace. Hmm. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. The Free Lutheran Bible College invites you to attend Christmas at the Free Lutheran Bible College on December 1st through December 3rd. Featuring performances by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary Choirs and the Symphonic Wind Ensembles. Register for free or find live streaming information at flbc.edu slash Christmas. God bless you and have a great week.